So I'm going to be sharing with our guys today, but really, ladies, the principles that I'm going to share really apply to everybody. Uh, There may be a few things that I'm going to uh, pull out and share today uh, for you men. But uh, and more specifically, the reason that I'm tailoring this message to the men is because I think us men are more challenged in this part of our life than maybe our female counterparts. And so I'm going to speak to us today and really uh, the title of my message today is walk with the wise. And, uh, and I believe that uh, I'm going to share some things with you today. I, I, I pray that they're going to be um, both an encouragement to you, but also a little bit of a challenge to you. Um, because the Bible's pretty clear that who we walk with matters. And so I want to share some things with you today along these lines. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we hear all kinds of things, you know, growing up about, who you run with, who your crew is. And, you know, there's even the phrase birds of a feather flock together, right? And so we kind of naturally will gravitate towards certain people, certain interests, certain likes, so forth, so on. Although, men, I hope that when you leave today that we have something that interests you. We got two shots at it. If you like bacon or if you like steak, we got you covered today. And uh, so on your way out today, men, we actually have some steak bites for you. Is that good, men? I mean... Is it is that better than a beef jerky flour that we did a couple of years ago? Uh, you know, I mean, and it, so you, those will be available. Uh, they're out there. They're cooking them or will be cooking them here shortly for you. So they'll be fresh and good uh, for you. But, um, you know, I, I believe that, you know, because, you know, I, I don't know if you are aware of this, but there's a whole subculture that is grilling and spe- specifically in the smoking of meats i have several friends and they're always we have a group chat and they're always posting pictures of brisket or ribs or whatever and i'm just not happy because i don't want to see it i want to taste it right and uh and so but it does matter though the people that we run with you know and, and if you run with the right people you can get fed well sometimes and uh, i have a good friend of mine when we were in arkansas and he i mean he was a competitive barbecuer so he would always call and be like, hey, what you doing? I'm like, nothing. What you got? Because I knew what that meant. I've got some food and I need somebody to eat it. And we just live not too far away. So he'd be like, hey, come by and grab some. I'm like, absolutely. Like all plans stop in that moment. And, um, you know, but it does matter who we really uh, do life with. And we say it all the time is that life together or that we're better together. Is that life together is absolutely better. And we are better, but not just in relationship, but who you're in relationship with matters you know it's one thing to just be married it's another thing to be married to the right person it makes a difference whether you realize it or not you're like what if it's too late start praying (laughs) i mean god changes hearts god changes people god's changed us hasn't he and if he can change us he can change our spouse as well and that's important you got to let the lord change your spouse you can't change them male or female as much as we may try and uh you know, I was actually having a conversation with somebody just the other day. It might have been yesterday before. And, um, they were talking about that, that their marriage, and they just made the statement. They said, you know, I got a lot happier in my marriage when I just started accepting my wife instead of trying to change her. And I thought, man, that's, that's, good, that's good advice. So if you came to church for nothing but that, that's going to help your marriage right there. And, uh, and so if you will accept them, because the Bible says that our spouses are a gift from the Lord to us and for us. And so this morning I want to share some things though, uh, not just about uh, our marriage relationships, but really about our friend relationships. And, uh, and so I want to share some things with you today about this. And so, uh, you know, as I've already kind of alluded to a little bit, but you know, is that we want to run with the right kind of people. It's not just a matter of, hey, I've got somebody to talk to. You need to have the right people to talk to. And especially in the context of Scripture, you need some spiritual people, some people that have spiritual bearings about them to help you walk out your life successfully. If you're going to really accomplish all that God has for you to do, it's going to require that you be in relationship with people who can tell you what true north is. You know, if you grab a compass that's, functioning properly and you open that bad boy up you'll always know what north is well yes the word of god is that but how many of you know sometimes we need people in our life to help point us or remind us of what the truth actually is 
You know, I've had it happen before where I'll even quote a scripture, you know, in a situation. And I'll have a friend of mine say, well, that's not actually what the Bible says. And I'm like, sure it is. And they're like, what verse? Go look it up. And they're like, it actually says it this way. And I'm like, oh, and it's a small thing, but it makes a big difference. And so, you know, I'll give you an example of this. And I've already kind of touched on it a little bit. But asking the right person the right questions really matters. I'll give you another little bit of marriage advice. Don't go talk to your single friends about marriage. They ain't married. And so what they have is theory. How many of you know that theories don't always work? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, we have two younger kids and there were things that I said, we will not be those parents. Anybody else ever said that? How many of you are that parent today? And you're like, I get it now. I get it. Like, I thought it was, I I thought I knew something, but I didn't. Right? It'd also be like talking to a friend who is broke financially for some money advice. That's probably not the person that you want to ask. Hey, how did you get in that kind of debt? Like, that's amazing. Like, no, no, no. I want to go talk to the guy who is on the other side that's actually prosperous, right? I want to go find somebody who has actually successfully navigated the financial waters of life. And they're on the other side to say, how did you get there? Like, I know how to be broke. That's easy. How do I get over here? And so, you know, we have to have um, people that we can talk with. And, And so, you know, like, let me say it another way. Because this is is more of a spiritual application. When I say I want to go talk to somebody who's prosperous, I don't mean just go find a rich person and go ask them, how'd you make money? Because rich is a dollar amount. Prosperous is a life. And they are not the same things because you can have lots of money and be miserable. I mean, we see this with athletes and celebrities. They've got all that this world seemingly can offer And yet, sometimes their lives are more of a hot mess than ours. And yet, they've got it all, right? Seemingly. But because they're not actually prospering. They may have money. And sometimes, the more money you get, you get more problems that come with it, right? Now, money is not bad. I tend to like it. You probably do, too. Anybody not like money in here? Anybody just hate money? Like, it's the worst thing ever. Speaking about that when we got almost, you know... Four or five dollar gas here. I saw somewhere else. Let me just help you out. Give you some perspective. I saw a picture this week where they had eight dollar gas. Aren't you? You saw it? Aren't you? Where was it? Los Angeles. Ain't you glad you don't live there? Eight dollar a gallon gas. But look, but here's the thing. And this is why having perspective matters. You know, this isn't the first time we've ever navigated these waters. It might be your first time. But we've been down this road before. I mean, I, I, I really am growing a dislike for the word unprecedented. We've heard that word over a lot in the last couple of years. And in fact, nothing that we've experienced in the last two years is unprecedented. It may be unprecedented in my lifetime, but this has happened before. Human history, if you go and just go beyond your lifespan or or maybe what your experience will tell you, is that, man, there's a lot of wisdom to be gained from looking backwards. And and so that's part of what what I'm going to share with you today. And so, you know, and and with it being Father's Day and what I'm going to share with you today, partly, uh, I realize that that my experience is is probably different than many people. Uh, But I want to tell you why I believe why my experience is different. Because I've been very fortunate in my life that I've had a lot of men in my life. My dad has been in my life. He's he's a very, my dad, I consider my dad one of my closest friends today. This wasn't always the case, but it is today. And I realize that that's not the norm. But it's also required work and humility on both of our parts to make that work. And so there's reasons for that. But I've also had a lot of godly men in my life that have helped me, that have shaped me. Many of them, that, or some of them you would know. I mean, Pastor Sam, there's been Pastor John, there's been other people. There's men that you'll never know their name. The reason that I'm saved today is because of a guy who served in our youth group. Never preached a sermon. But yet, he invested in me when I was a teenager. 
And it began the process of what God ultimately did in my life that led to salvation. But even in my spiritual life, I have a lot of spiritual relationships. And I realize that many of you in here, you may say, I have one or two, maybe, if you're lucky. But there's a reason. It, it, it's not just because just that I'm lucky or that by chance or that it just happened that way. Is I had to pursue those relationships. And I had to ask questions. And I had to be willing to look stupid, if I'm quite honest. And just because if you ask dumb questions, you might look dumb. But I'd rather ask a dumb question so I'm no longer dumb than I would to just be quiet and stay dumb. And so we're going to talk about some of this today. But I want to read you a scripture here in Hebrews chapter 13 in verse 7. And this is really talking about leaders of the church, but I'm going to use it in another application here. Um, but it says this. It says, remember your leaders. Let me, use, let me say other translations use this word. Remember your elders. In other words, remember those that got more experience than you. Remember those who can teach you lessons that you don't even know the questions to yet. I remember one time I was talking with Pastor Sam. This was probably, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Something like that. Maybe not quite that long ago. Probably 8 to 10 years ago. And I was at, we were just having a conversation and we were sitting there talking. And, and I don't remember what I said, but he said, well, David, you can ask me any question you want. And I kind of chuckled and I said, yeah, but you're assuming that I know the right question to ask. I said, I don't know what I don't know. And I might need you to help me and say, hey, I know that you're asking me this, but you really should be asking me this. And it really helped us in our relationship because I was just willing to say, look, I don't know. I'm not trying to impress you. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to develop. And so here it says this. It says, remember your leaders. Remember your elders who spoke the word of God to you. And this is the part I want you to catch. It says, consider the outcome of their life. Anybody can look good for a moment. What about with some miles on the tires? Since we just had a question about it. I don't want to talk to somebody that... Seemingly has it all together. That's younger. Why? Well, because it could all just be a front. It could all just be a lie. It could all be a smokescreen. I want to consider the outcome. I want to, like, just practically speaking. I want to go talk to, right now, I have two kids. My son's about to be seven. Got four. I talk to people my, that have kids my age often. But I need to go talk to somebody who has teenagers. Why? Because that's, that's the season I'm headed into. And if I wait till my kids are teenagers to get ready for teenagers, I'm too late. Y'all give you an example of this. So if you have young kids, listen up. If you want your kids to talk to you when they're a teenager, you need to be investing in them and giving them time now. Because we can get too busy doing all these things for our family that we forget the most important thing, especially for us guys, is that they need us. And what will happen if I don't give my kids time now, they will not give me time later. And I will lose my kids now when they're four and seven. But I want them to talk to me when they're 14 and 17 and 24 and 27 and beyond. I, I, I want to have that kind of relationship. But I've got to make those decisions now. And, and so I want to go talk to people. And I want to go to people that are even in further seasons of life. Like I, even now, I'm already talking to people that, you know, are decades ahead of me. Why? Because they didn't get there overnight. It took 30, 40 years to get to this season of their life. And I'm like... I admire the, where you are in your life. How'd you get here? You go find somebody in your business, your vocation, in the realm of what you do. And you might be surprised the encouragement that you would find just by asking some questions. You might be surprised what other people see in you that if you don't ask the question, you'll actually never know what they think about you. You know, part of my dad's story is that my dad worked, was a truck driver. He was a delivery, drove an 18-wheeler, and then he also worked at the newspaper. And so my dad worked two jobs, and I was very small, like firstborn, even before that. 
And my dad had to make a, had an opportunity to make a career move, like completely different from anything he'd ever known. And so my dad ultimately did make the decision to, to move from the trucking, all this, but he moved into oil field sales, which he knew nothing about the oil field and he knew nothing about sales. And by the way, this was in 1981, which some of you know why that's significant. Because the oil patch just went broke. So my dad didn't sell a piece of equipment for 18 months. Now you look at him today and everybody's like, oh man. But what people don't know is that my dad would go and sit under a tree and pray at lunchtime because he couldn't afford lunch. And he's driving a car to put, so it was lunch or go see a customer. Well, 40 years later, he looks like a genius. 40 years later. I'm 42. My dad started doing that when I was two. But there's a journey that had to come through that. And there was a lot of character formation that had to come. And there were a lot of lessons that had to be learned and and things that God had to do in my dad so that he could prosper him. And my parents are very prosperous today. But I also know the story and I know the backside. And I know the price that's been paid. We paid a price as a family. My dad was gone a lot. Because he didn't just sell. This area is actually one of the first places that my dad ever came to sell in. The second city that he ever came to was down in this region. So my dad sold equipment. You might even know some people. My dad came to Arkansas one time when we were there. And he was like, you know, I used to have a customer down here. And I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. He's like, let's go look. And we drove down there. And sure enough, it was, I was like, never seen that place. He's like, oh, yeah, they bought trailers from me. But see, it took a huge step of faith. But here's the thing. My dad didn't even want to do it. He was so afraid To take a step of faith, even though he really believed it was the Lord. And my mom's like, it's the Lord, it's the Lord, I believe this is the right thing. And he's like, there ain't no way. I got three kids under five. How can I make this move? How can I make this turn? But there was a lady in the church that was kind of like one of their spiritual moms. Her name was Miss Helen Hilton. And Miss Helen came to my dad and and said, Jerry, I, I believe that this is the Lord. And my dad told Miss Helen, she was kind of like a, uh, I don't know, an extra grandmother to me. I don't know how to explain her, but she's just one of those ladies. She's not family, but she's family, you know what I'm talking about? uh, She's one of those ladies. And and, and now, I don't mean mean this as a derogatory statement, but Miss Helen was always old to me. Like, I never remember her ever being anything but a grandmother. And, um, you know, but my dad ultimately, he he's actually said this and shared this is that he took the job because he trusted Miss Helen more than he trusted his fear. But he was that close to not making a step that really was really what God had for him. But he needed the wisdom of somebody who could hear from God and confirm that, Hey, this is the right step for you. But he still had to make a decision. And he would tell you to this day, he only made that decision, not because of him or because of my mom. He made it because he believed that Miss Helen could hear from the Lord. And we need those people in our life, especially if we're younger in the faith and have not really developed our spiritual ears yet. It's, it's important to have these relationships. And so here it talks about considering the outcome of someone's life. And it even goes on. It says, and imitate their faith. So see the results of it. And if the results are good, and there's some time associated with that, that might be a person you might need to go sit down with and have a conversation. Get some questions together. Take them to lunch. Invite them to the house. You're like, yeah, but that'd be weird. What do you have to lose? A meal? What do you have to gain? The wisdom of 30, 40, 50 years? There's a lot to be said. It even says that we should imitate their faith. If you don't know what to do, go find somebody 
who is where you want to be and figure out how they did it and start imitating. And what does the word imitate mean? It means to follow the pattern. I'm not telling you to do what they do exactly because what worked for them may not work for you. But you can follow the, uh, the principles for that of their life. You can find the principles of it. My dad says it this way. He says, you always want to get a nugget. My dad said he's not smart enough to remember two, so he's always looking for one. And that's something my dad has done for a long time, and I assume it's probably, I just kind of picked up on it, is that he asked questions. He'd get around somebody who was successful or somebody that was in business or whatever in his life, and he would ask them, hey, what's one thing that, that helped you succeed? What's, you know, I mean, in the oil patch, marriages don't succeed. So he'd find somebody that's been married a long time, he'd ask them, hey, how'd you stay married? I want to know. And these were godly people, ungodly people, but he was always looking for information. He's always looking for nuggets. There's a, a gentleman at the church there in Shreveport. His name's Mr. Klein Blunt. And I've known Mr. Klein my whole life, basically. And uh, my dad and him served in the parking lot. They drive around on a golf cart in the parking lot. And my dad would quiz Mr. Klein because he'd been in business. He was a, he was a contractor, but really he was a dirt mover. That's, he did dirt work. And he would ask Mr. Klein, one time my dad asked Mr. Klein when he had really kind of started, you know, it was probably 25, 20, 25 years into his sales. And he told Mr. Klein, he said, Mr. Klein, he said, I'm making money. I just don't know how to keep any of it. So how do I keep some of it? And Mr. Klein began to share his wisdom. You want to know what he said? Anybody? If not, I'll go on. If you want to know how to keep some money, I'll, I'll tell you what he said. Mr. Klein's a very successful guy. And he said, oh, you got to get it out of your hands. My dad's like, huh? He said, well, you got you got invested in something. He said, because you're a good guy and you'll, you know, somebody needs something and you've got the means, you'll just write the check. He said, if you don't have the money in the bank, you got it invested in something. And you got to figure out what that something is. He said, you'll still buy the refrigerator. You just have to take that extra job. You have to work that extra thing. You have to work that extra deal. You'll figure out another way. But, but. That was a game changer for my dad. My dad had never had any money. We didn't come from money. We didn't come from anything like that. I mean, savings, what's that? We're just trying to eat. And so he had to learn to think differently. Well, he learned to think differently because he asked questions, right? See, we have to be willing to, to, to really make the investment. And as men, this can be challenging for us because we don't want to look dumb. We want to look like we got it all together. Got it all figured out. And so we want to have the answers. We just don't want to ask questions many times. But therein lies the problem. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says this. says, if you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. It says, walk with the wicked and you'll eventually become just like them. The Amplified Bible says it this way. He who walks as a companion with wise men will be wise. But the companion of conceited and dull-witted fools are fools themselves and will experience harm. Proverbs also says that there's two ways to learn. The wisdom of somebody else and pain on your back. I would rather learn from the wisdom of somebody else. You want to know what a definition of wisdom is? Somebody else's pain. So we can either choose, I can learn through somebody else's pain, or I can sign up for the school of hard knocks and, the, and life will help teach me. And sometimes I'm too stubborn and too hard-headed, so I subscribe to the school of hard knocks. And then later on, I'm like, why did I do that? So-and-so tried to tell me this, and so-and-so tried to tell me that, and I wouldn't listen. I remember when I was a teenager, I think I've shared this before, but it's really funny. I don't know, I was probably like 16 or so, 15, 16, 17, whatever. And one day, I don't even know why he said it, but my dad just kind of made this statement to me, which, you know, at my dad's funeral, we have this whole, we have a list, actually. Dara has a running list on her phone of Jerryisms, Like random stuff my dad says that's like just off a little bit. Like, have you ever heard the term, the catch 22? My dad calls it a catch 21. You know. He, uh, what was it? There's uh, you probably have some of them on your phone. He's like, oh, you're top shelf in my book. And we're like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip. 
Now, some of you probably heard that one. But there's all kinds of crazy stuff they did. But this was another one that I, but at his funeral, I'm going to read them because he's already told me, I don't want my funeral to be sad. I want people laughing. And if you knew my dad, you're going to be like, that's him. Because he he says he can't learn a second language because he ain't learned the first one yet. So, you know. (laughs) I love my dad. He's a lot of fun. But anyhow, going back to my story. One day my dad made the statement. He said, David, if you run with the dogs, you're going to get ticks and fleas. But I knew what he meant. <clears throat> That's all he said. It wasn't like a conversation. We, it was just kind of this passing statement. And I knew what he was saying. I don't like your friends. You know, I, I mean, I knew that. He didn't have to say anything else. It's just kind of there it is. Do what you want with it. We've all heard the verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. says, don't be misled. Don't be tricked. Don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. Well, how do you get good character? There's a few ways. The word of God will help. Go read the book of Proverbs. You're like, I don't know what to read, man. I want to I have wisdom. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It's amazing how it works. There's 31 chapters, and at most, there's 31 days in the month. So if you don't know what to do, today is what? The 19th? June 19th. Go read Proverbs 19 and tomorrow. Proverbs 20. 21 and you start reading you're going to start investing well that's going to help because it talks about how to live life proverbs is all about how to live a successful life here that's really what what it's about but another way to get good character is to allow other people to speak truth into your life but you have to allow that you have to invite that like i go as far as to even tell people that hey i'm asking you to speak into my life i've done this with a number of men in different arenas of my life, different areas of my life. But I've given them full access and permission. You can ask me anything and I will answer honestly. Even if I don't want to. I'll listen when I don't want to. The word that we actually would, would, would speak to this biblically would be actually be the word submitted to. Now as men, we don't like that. We're independent. I'd rather be a, a submitted success... Than an unsubmitted fool. And men, we need other men. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we need other people. We need people to be able to speak life into us, to tell us what the Word of God says about us. Because here's the truth you don't need good people on your good days. You need good people in your life on your worst days to remind you of who you are and what God has said and what God has promised to you and to take you back and say, no, this is what God said. It's not going to end like this. This is what the Lord told you. This is what we're believing for. This is what we're praying for. God's word will not return void. It will accomplish that which he sent. And we need good people. We need godly people in our life on our worst days. That's why we have them. But if you wait for your worst day to go looking for them, it's going to be challenging. I want people that are for me in my life. And I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to trust them. I remember one time, one of the guys that was really influential, still is influential in my life. He's one of the guys that I consider my pastoral counsel. So I have three guys that, are, that I'm submitted to as a pastor of a church, and they're pastors. They're all ahead of me 10 years to 25 years. I have friends that are my age doing what I'm doing, but I'm not as interested in what they have to say as much as I am the guys that have been. It's like Pastor Sam. He's 40 years in. Well, I want to make it to 40. I don't want to flame out, and I don't want to freak out. So how did you get there? So I have three guys that I'm submitted to that they can call me and ask me anything. How's your marriage? How's your money? You need to take a break. Those types of things. I mean, like getting in my business. I don't like that. It's uncomfortable. But I'm reminded, do I want to be submitted because there's safety there? Or do I just want to be 
a fool and just say, I can figure this out. I just need me and Jesus. Go find that in the scriptures. The Bible talks a lot about the power of relationships and being connected. But I remember one time, this was early on in my... uh, Early on in my leadership life, I'll say it that way, that one of my pastoral counsel, uh, we sat down and he was like, hey, I, I, I need to share something with you. I was like, okay, you know, I wasn't really expecting what he was about to share because I think we're just talking whatever. And he said, hey, I need to share with you about a character flaw. I'm like, where's the door? <laughs> like, it's time to go. But he had me in there, right? And then... He began to share with me. He said, hey, when you get under pressure, you crack. He said, when you get under pressure, you you get real short and you snap at people. He's like, I know that's not your intention, but I'm just telling you as an outlooker looking, you're going to hurt people. People aren't going to follow you. And if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be somebody that people will follow. And so if you lose your cool and you fly off the handle, people will fly off the handle too. And they will leave and you won't be able to lead them. And I'm thankful that he told me that because I didn't want to hear it. It was hard to hear, but it registered in me. And so I began to recognize this area of my life that was compromised. That by the help of the Holy Spirit and the continued work of the Holy Spirit, even to this day, that's been 20 years ago. That the Holy Spirit's still using that to help me to move forward. See, there's times that I've had to have men that would encourage me. Like on those bad, bad days where I wanted to quit. And I'm like, man, I'm done with this. I can go do something else. And they're like, no, this is, this is a moment. It's going to pass. I'll give you like a practical example. The one that comes to mind right now. I remember right after the hurricane, because I'd never experienced a hurricane i've experienced a lot of tornadoes and other types of storms this and that but i remember i I, if i remember i don't know if it was maybe donna or kyle i asked i don't remember who it was it was somebody and it may not be one of them but i asked i said so how long will it take for the city to kind of get back to somewhat normal it's my first time they said two years pretty close not saying there's not work I mean, we're housing 30 people this week that are here helping serve the community. I mean, there's approximately 400 volunteers that I know of this week in our area to help rebuild. But by and large, the city is functioning. Well, that's the wisdom of having experienced it 15 years ago or prior to. Say, hey, we've been down this road before. We'll rebuild. We'll come back. And that's when you need those voices in your life. You need people to encourage you. Sometimes you need people to push you like beyond your comfort zone and say, hey, there's more in you than what you're given right now. Like you need to kind of step it up. And we need those people in our life. We need people that will push us to really know God like in a very personal way, not in some remote way or just kind of knowing about God like you know well hey I come to church and and I do this and that and and, and maybe you know I'm gonna speak to the men just for a moment specifically but you may be here today and and you come to church well because it was the way I was raised my mom and daddy raised me in the church so you go to church that's what you do or you may be here and you're like well I'm just here because of my wife I'm here because I want my kids in church well how about you need to be in church like for you not for everybody else Because it'll make you a better husband. It'll help you be a better father. It'll help you to be a better boss or a better employee. It will help you grow. But it's in that relationship with the Lord. Why? Because when you're in a relationship with the Lord, you get the help of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will make you better. He absolutely will. Well, you got to be in relationship with the Lord to, to really have those benefits. And so it's not just enough to know him here. It has to be your faith. And I talked about that you can imitate somebody else's faith and there's, there is truth in that. But at some point you got to stop imitating and you got to start being. And your faith has to be your faith. You have to believe the word of God for you. You have to be able to stand up on your own. 
So where does the where do these things start? Proverbs chapter one verse seven says this: says the reverential fear of the Lord is the beginning and the preeminent part of knowledge, its starting point and its essence. It says, but arrogant fools despise skillful and godly wisdom and instruction and self-discipline. This is what the word of God says to us. The fear of the Lord, the reverential fear. I'm not afraid of God, but I recognize God. That's really probably a little, give you a little clarity into what that word means. I, I recognize that you're God and I'm not. That you're holy and that you're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. And I'm submitted to you. That's the reverential fear of the, of the Lord. The word arrogant here actually means to be closed-minded or overconfident. To reject instruction or correction. It goes as far as to say that you'd be unteachable. So men, I would ask you today, are you teachable? Do you have a teachable spirit? Are you willing to w- listen to the people around you and the voices in your life? Because if you've stopped up your ears, the bridge is out ahead. And there's people waving, saying, hey, 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 the bridge is out, the bridge is out. And you're like, pedal to the metal. We have to have a teachable spirit. We can't allow arrogance and pride to come in to keep us in a, in a vein. Or, you know, and if you're like me, you can get tunnel vision. I get real focused. I'm just plow ahead. Well, I, I don't see some of the bridge out signs. And I need somebody that will step in front of me and say, hey, <laughs> not just on the side, but somebody that will really step in front of me. Psalms 111 verse 10 says this, says the reverential fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the prerequisite, the absolute essential or the the beginning of the alphabet of wisdom. It says good understanding and a teachable heart are possessed by all those who will do the will of God, the will of the Lord. So think about this. It says good understanding and a teachable heart. These are the prerequisites if you're going to be used by the Lord. For God to use you, you have to be teachable. You have to have this uh, heart that is teachable. You have to have this, this, the Bible, and we'll look at this verse here in a moment. It says that we're to clothe ourselves in humility. In other words, it's a decision. It's a choice. I can choose to be arrogant. I can choose to be confident. There's nothing wrong with confidence. There is something wrong with overconfidence. And we don't want to get into that place of being overconfident. We want to have a a proper perspective and we don't want to go too far into humility which says, well, I can't do anything. Well, that's actually just false humility. I want to have an understanding of who I am in Christ, the gifts and the callings that God's placed on the inside of me that give me the confidence. And then I can say, okay, Lord, this is who I am. This is what you've called me to do. So identity and purpose come together. Now, Lord, I can't do this without you. So I need your help. So I have confidence, but there's also this, this idea, though, uh, of really uh, being really humble. So my definition, or one of my definitions of what humility would be, could be, is this. It's the willingness to ask a dumb question. You have to be willing to look dumb to ask a dumb question. You know, me and Dara have renovated a number of homes in our life at this point. And I always make the joke. And I tell these guys when I bring them in. I'll hire a plumber to come in. And I'm standing right there. I'm like what's that tool? What's it called? Add to cart. How'd you do that? Add to cart. Hmm. Oh that's how you do that. Okay I didn't know how you do that. Okay good good good. Hey I appreciate you fixing that for me. I will never call you again. <laughs> I don't tell them that but. But I don't mind asking questions. I'm going to stand right. I mean, I'm sure sometimes they're probably like, what are you doing? I'm learning. That's what I'm doing. And I'm going to ask questions. You're not here to, to fix something. You're here to teach. You just don't know it. And I can't tell you how much money that has saved me. I bought a tool recently. This is funny. We're working on a house right now. And I bought a tool about a month ago. Why? Why not? You know, that's, that's my theory. Why not? What was I going to use it for? I don't know. 
So Derek comes by the other day and I was like, hey, I used my new tool. She's like, what new tool? I'm like, oh, that, that, yeah, don't worry about it. (laughs) But I got to use it this, you know, that's all pretty looking, nice, new, you know. I don't know why I just shared all that. You got to be honest. I don't know if I'll ever use the tool again, but I have it, you know. But I did get to use it this week. Praise the Lord. And, uh, now we, there's a kind of a famous old phrase that says the only dumb question is one that's left unasked. If you want a successful marriage, go find somebody who's been married for like 40 years and they still like each other. Don't go talk to the people that hate each other and be like, hey, how'd y'all make it to 50? <laughs> it's a miracle. Y'all ain't killed each other yet. Like that's... That's probably not the person that you want to go get some advice from. A number of years ago, I've already shared about a few people, but I mentioned the names of the ones that you know. A couple of years ago, this is when Max was a baby. I don't know. I don't think, well, Mir wasn't born yet. And, uh, and I remember I called Pastor John one day and I, I said, hey, I've got some questions for you when you've got some time. And so he called me. I said, hey. I want to know, how did you get to here and your wife loves you and your girls love you? How'd you do that? Like, how'd you manage your schedule? Like, you know, obviously he's ministry like I am. And so we have similar lanes that we're running. And I'm like, you know, and he was like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, my schedule's all over the place. And I'm just feel like I'm running around like a cat with my tail on fire. And I asked him, but again, I'm asking not just a question, I'm asking a good question. And I remember I asked him, I said, uh, I said, so, like, I, I know that we're trying to, like, be balanced, you know. And in my mind, balance is everything's equal. I give X number of hours to the church. I give X number of hours to my family. I give X number of hours to rest. And everything's just perfect, right? And I said, well, my question is, is that is balance really like a week-to-week thing or, or is it more seasonal, because there's busy seasons in the church and then there's times that it kind of dies down a little bit and it picks up. And there's more like this throughout the calendar of a year. And he laughed. He goes, man, that's a great question. He goes, no, it's seasonal. He said, so there's times that I, I push more and give more time to the church. And there's times that I recognize the church doesn't need me as much. And I'm going to give more time to my family. I asked that question like five, six years ago. I'm still trying to figure that one out. I'm working on it. But I had to go ask somebody that I'm like, hey, you're, you got girls who are married. Your wife loves you. Your girl's like, I want to be that guy. So go ask those questions. Be willing to look foolish. Be willing to put yourself out there. See, I believe that wisdom has more to do with asking the right questions of the right people than it is about being the one giving the answers. I really believe that. If we're going to get wisdom, if we're going to think, oh, I'm a wise person. You don't want to be the one giving all the answers. I heard a a statement, it's been some time back, but it said, if I'm not intimidated by the room that I'm in, I'm probably in the wrong room. So in other words, let me break it down real practical. If you're not intimidated by the person you eat dinner with every now and then, you're probably at the wrong table. You need to go to dinner a little nervous sometimes. Like, man, I hope I don't look stupid. Why? Because that tells you that you're putting yourself in a place to learn something. And to develop and to grow and to mature. And to allow the Holy Spirit to help you. And you're like, well, I don't know who to go to. The Holy Spirit is your guide. Like, I don't know what I would say. I've told people that. I had a conversation this week. Monday of this past week, I called a pastor and I set up a meeting, went and sat down with him and I walked in. I said, hey guys, I said, let me just tell you up front, I don't want anything and I'm not inviting you to anything because that's typically the way pastors work. Get this random call from some random person. You don't know it's because they want something from you. Or they want you to do something. And I said, hey, I'm just here because I just want to get to know you. And they laughed. They're like, oh, okay, cool. We had a great conversation. I might have made new friends. I don't know. But it took me being willing to make a phone call and set up an appointment and just say, this could bomb. 
I mean, look, that was a good one, honestly. There's other ones I'm like, I'll never have that conversation again. That's not who I'm looking to be connected with. But we've got to be willing to, to have this really a, a humble heart. Here's what I found, and it's a principle that, that, that I, I, I've just seen be true, which is that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I've seen that many times in my life. Now, they're very different faces, different backgrounds, different situations, circumstances. When Darren and I did our first, like, really large renovation project, the Lord brought this man into my life named Mr. Pat, who had been doing construction for like 50 years. He had to sit down like every five minutes. But he would teach me everything. He wanted to teach. That's what I have found. Especially for you who are on the younger spectrum. People on the opposite end of, of life actually want to teach you what they know. And they would be grateful if you would just ask. And they would love to share the story with you. And they'd love to share the wisdom of the years with you. So you shouldn't be intimidated. And I know it's Father's Day and some of you don't have a relationship, especially for us men. You may not have had a very good relationship with a man in your life. But that doesn't mean there aren't men that God will bring into your life. To speak into your life, to to really help you, to help develop you and, and grow. And so when you're ready, I believe God brings the right people. I've seen it happen too many times in my own life to know it's not true. And I can see where God has brought people over and over and over at the right season, at the right time. But it's because I was ready to listen and to learn. So let me read one more passage of scripture as we're wrapping up today. This comes out of First Peter chapter 5. It's two verses. And there's some instructions to, to elders of the church prior to this. But I, I really just, for the sake of time, I'm just going to read a couple verses here. Verse 5 and 6. It says, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. It says, in all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. So here he's talking. He just was talking to some of the more experienced people in the church. He's talking to the younger ones. And then he gives the instruction. says, all of you should clothe yourself with humility. Humility makes every relationship better. It'll make your marriage better. It'll, it'll make your friendships better. Choosing humility. It is a decision. It is a choice that we have to make. He goes on and he says, and he encourages, he says, clothe yourself. Put it on like a jacket. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor or grace to the humble. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season. Humble yourself before one another and humble yourself before God. Trust God with the outcomes. So many times we can get so caught up, you know, well, I'm trying to get to this 10 year, five year, or whatever, 20 year. Like, I'm just trying to make it to retirement. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. Trust God with those outcomes. And just say, God, you know what? Because I would have never written the script of my life. I can tell you that. I'm an A to B guy. Like, <laughs> my story's been <laughs> kind of that. To the point where sometimes I'm like, God, where are you? <laughs> I'm on the backside of the desert somewhere. I don't know where you are. What's going on? Thought we had a plan. You changed it. He's like, oh no, it's still the plan. I'm just working something out of you out here because you can't see what's around the corner here. But I need you to develop now so that when I take you into this next season you're ready for it but that requires some humility and sometimes it takes having people around you that are willing to say i love you enough to tell you what everybody else is thinking that's how i define a friend by the way because everybody has an opinion of you just most people don't tell you but a real friend will tell you hey you're a jerk right now friends like mine but that's that's what i need i need people in my life that just shoot it straight and i have to be humble enough to listen and and to submit to that and guys i know it can be challenging to try to connect with the lord sometimes i realize not everybody in this room is 
really even maybe even has really a spiritual basis or or groundwork or a background or all of these things and and so even i'm saying those things and it may be hard to recognize his voice or even his leadings from the lord but you may be like my dad who says man i just need some i need a helen in my life that'll that can hear from the lord that i trust i need a i need a trusted counselor start praying start asking the lord God, surround me with people that are going to help me accomplish what you've gotten for me. The wisdom that I need. See, I had to do that for years. I would call and I'd be like, hey, I, I feel like this is my heart. And I don't know if it's the Lord or not. I'm not sure. And I'd run about two or three people. Hey, what do you think? Do you think this is accurate? They'd be like, yeah, that seems like that would be the Lord. It lines up with Scripture. And, it, and I'm like, okay. And I would kind of take some blind steps of faith early on because I wasn't certain. But I had the confidence of people that would kind of say, hey, that, that sounds right. That seems right. It, you know, I'll pray about it, but that seems right. And it, it developed my confidence that I can hear from the Lord. But I ran it by some folks first. There's no shame in that. I wanted to know, is this the Lord speaking to me or not? And I learned how to hear the voice of God for myself. So that when the Lord speaks, I'm like, nope, I know that's the Lord. I know that's not the Lord. And, so, and over the years, that's, it's, the Lord has done some amazing things, but it, it didn't start that way. It started with me going like, how do you hear from the, how do you hear the voice of God? How do you do these things? How, why do you read your Bible? And I, I, why do I, why do I need all this? And why do I do these things? And why do we do this in church? And why do this and why that? I ask lots of questions. And I would encourage you, especially you men, ask questions. Ask good questions of the right people. Be humble enough to say, I ain't got it all figured out. See, gentlemen, the, the choice is yours. Nobody else can make this decision for you. You got to choose. You got to get in those right relationships. That's why we have groups. I encourage you, man, get in a group. If you don't can't find one, start one. Don't have to be an official church group. Just find some guys you connect with and go to breakfast, go to lunch, do something with, go hunt, go fish, do something. And I know it'll be tough, it might be weird, it might be uncomfortable. But in the end, it will be worth it. It really will. Would all my men just stand up for me today? With your-